came up to you this morning and said, look, I'm just having one of those days. You'd know what they meant, wouldn't you? What they mean is that they're having a terrible day. Perhaps you've said it yourself, look, I'm just having one of those days. One of those days where you get up and you just spend the entire day lurching from one disaster to another, seemingly out of control. One of those days where everything that could possibly conceivably go wrong, it does. One of those days where things just go from bad to worse, spiralling further and further and further down. One of those days where you just want the day to end. You just want it to stop because it is a terrible day. Well, friends, Good Friday is one of those days. Good Friday is a terrible day. I'm not sure if you noticed, but almost all of the things that we've read about this morning happened within the space of just one day. One day in Jesus' life. And it is a terrible day. Over and over again, Jesus is attacked without cause. In return for his friendship, he is accused. He is repaid evil for good, hatred for friendship, over and again in one terrible day. It all starts as one of his closest friends, Judas, agrees to betray him. We had it read for us earlier. Judas goes to these guys who want to kill Jesus and he says, Look, I'm willing to betray him. I'm willing to hand him over and give him to you, but what are you going to give me? And they offer him 30 silver coins in exchange for the life of his friend. And he takes it. And it just gets worse. A little later on in the day, in the evening, Jesus sits down to a meal with 12 of his closest friends, his 12 disciples. And of course, Judas is there. And now this is a bit hard to imagine, but see if you can picture how awkward this must have been, how horrifying this must have been. Because as they're sitting there around the evening meal, chatting and eating, Jesus says to them, one of you will betray me. Now that's a conversation killer if ever I've seen one. But right one by one around the table, they all start saying, surely not I. Surely not I. Surely not I. Surely not I. Until Jesus finally says, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me, he will betray me. And then Judas says, surely not I, Lord. Yes, it is you. How horrifying. How absolutely gut-wrenching to know that one of your closest friends, who has already agreed to betray you, is now sitting next to you having a meal, sharing your food, just waiting for an opportunity to rat you out, just waiting for an opportunity to sell your life, just waiting for an opportunity to repay you evil for good. What a terrible day this is. And in the final sickening act, Judas, who by now in the story is called the betrayer, he arranges a signal. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. And so with a kiss, Jesus is betrayed by one of his closest friends and he's handed over to a bunch of guys who want to kill him and that's exactly what they do. 
Friends, this is one of those days. A terrible, terrible day. Over and over again, Jesus is attacked for no reason. Over and again, in return for his friendship, he is accused. He is repaid evil for good, hatred for friendship. Friends, I hope you can see how terrible this day is. But perhaps you've also noticed that this terrible day is a repeat of another terrible day. The awfulness of the events of that first Good Friday are captured with stunning clarity in a psalm written hundreds of years earlier, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. We had a bit of Psalm 109 just read for us. It speaks about a terrible day for one of Israel's greatest kings, King David. A day when wicked men opposed him. A day when he was attacked for no reason. A day when he was repaid hatred for friendship. Sound familiar? The events of this psalm, Psalm 109, are repeated almost exactly in the events of that first Good Friday. And so it's no coincidence that Jesus' disciples quote this psalm talking about Judas hundreds of years later. In Psalm 109, wicked and deceitful men opposed Israel's king, just like Judas. In Psalm 109, in return for the friendship of Israel's king, they accused him, just like Judas. In Psalm 109, wicked men repaid Israel's king evil for good, hatred for friendship, just like Judas. Psalm 109 paints a desperate picture of a terrible day. Israel's king, alone, deserted, encircled, surrounded by wicked and deceitful men who are breathing out lies and threats and accusations, closing in, pressing in, looking for blood, seeking his life. Friends, this is a terrible day. And so in the midst of this dreadful day, what's really interesting, what's worth taking note of, are the words on David's lips. Right at the start of the psalm, the very first words in the psalm, David pleads with God. He pleads with God to do something. O God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. Do not remain silent. You see, in the face of opposition and hatred and evil, David's plea is that God won't remain silent, that he won't stand by and let events just pan out for themselves. David's plea is that God will do something, anything. A little later in the psalm, David in despair again pleads with God. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me in accordance with your love. Help me. Save me. Do something. You see, Psalm 109 recounts a terrible day 
in the life of one of Israel's greatest kings. A terrible day that is repeated in the life of great King David's greatest son, Jesus. But friends, it isn't simply repeated. It is amplified unbelievably. You see, in the psalm, Israel's king, King David, he was betrayed. But on Good Friday, a much, much greater king, God's chosen king, the king of the universe, is betrayed. In Psalm 109, King David is terribly abused. But on Good Friday, Jesus, a completely innocent man, suffers appalling abuse and is executed without reason. Which makes you wonder, what's the point of all this? Why are we here to think over such a terrible day? Well, on this terrible day, it's worth us seeing how the psalm ends because the end of the psalm actually tells us why this is all worth thinking about. Because just like the betrayal and the mistreatment of the psalm is repeated in the life of Jesus, in the same way, the vindication and the confidence that we see at the end of the psalm they are also repeated in the aftermath of this terrible day. The psalm began, remember, with David pleading with God to do something. Well, listen now to how it ends as this terrible day is resolved. David says, With my mouth I will extol the Lord. In the great throng I will praise him. You see, please, replaced with promises of praise. Doubt replaced with confidence. But what's really significant here is the reason why. Why the change? With my mouth I will extol the Lord. In the great throng I will praise him. Why? For he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save his life from those who condemn him. As this terrible day is resolved, God has not remained silent. God has acted. In the face of opposition and hatred and evil, God himself stands at David's side to save his life from his accusers. By the end of the psalm, God has acted to reverse the betrayal and injustice that the psalm began with. He's vindicated David and he's saved his life. Friends, this terrible day in the life of King David is resolved in a delightful way as God himself acts to vindicate Israel's king and to save his life. Now the obvious question is, if that's true of this terrible day in Psalm 109, then how is it repeated? And more importantly, how is it amplified in the life of Jesus? Because perhaps at first glance you'd have to say it's not. After all, Good Friday. Today it's all about the fact that Jesus died. God's own son, his chosen king, was callously murdered in cold blood. 
Where's the vindication in that? Where's the confidence in that? In many ways, Good Friday, friends, is a terrible day. A shocking day. And so again, we've got to ask, why are we here to think over such a terrible day? Well, friends, it's because Good Friday, it isn't simply a repeat of Psalm 109. The vindication and salvation that Psalm 109 ended with, they are repeated. But they're also amplified unbelievably in the life of Jesus, in the events of that first Good Friday. In fact, so massively are they amplified that they touch even us 2,000 years later. You see, in uh, the events of that first Good Friday, they take things to a whole new level. In Psalm 109, King David, the King of Israel, was vindicated and saved. But now, on Good Friday, it's not the King, but all of God's people who are wonderfully vindicated and saved And it happens through the death of the king in their place. It happens as the king dies instead of them. On that first Good Friday, friends, Jesus allowed himself to be betrayed and humiliated and executed. And he let it happen because he knew. Because he knew that he was taking the place of sinners. He let it happen because he knew that he was suffering their punishment in their place, so they wouldn't have to. On that first Good Friday, Jesus allowed himself to be betrayed and humiliated and executed because he knew that he was taking the place of sinners. People like you and me. Because, friends, as we sit here this morning, we are all sinners. We all rebel against God. We all ignore God. We all reject God. We all turn our backs on God. And so we all deserve to be punished. We all deserve to die. And yet on that first Good Friday, Jesus, not as some kind of helpless victim, but willingly with his eyes wide open, head on, he let himself be attacked without cause. He let himself be repaid evil for good, hatred for friendship. Jesus willingly endured being betrayed and mistreated and abused and nailed to a cross and left to die. And he did it to take the place of his people. He did it to take the punishment of his people in their place. He did it to take the place of people like you and me. On that first Good Friday, Jesus willingly suffered the punishment for people like you and me so we wouldn't have to. Which all really means that what was a terrible day is actually a terrific day. Because on that day, a day when a king was ruthlessly betrayed, a day when an innocent man was cruelly nailed to a cross and left to die, On that day, Jesus endured it all willingly. On that day, Jesus died in the place of sinners. On that day, in the face of opposition and hatred and evil, God himself acted to vindicate and save his people. 
and he did it through the death of his son as Jesus died in their place. Friends, Good Friday is a terrible day, but it's also a terrific day, a good day. Because on that first Good Friday, Jesus died for his people to bring them to God. He died not so that he'd be vindicated and saved, but he died so that everyone who trusts in him, so that everyone who calls on his name, he did it so that they'd be saved. Let's pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we confess this morning that he is the King of the universe, your chosen King, the one who rules even now. Father, as we think about the events of that first Good Friday, it really was a terrible day. As your only Son, your chosen King, was betrayed and humiliated and murdered. But Father, we thank you that in your wonderful love, that was part of your plan, that in love you sent your son to die in the place of your people, to take their punishment on their behalf. Father, thank you that through the death of your son we can be forgiven and be right with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.